Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 103 of the Peristyle Podcast. If you don't know, the Peristyle Podcast is our weekly internet radio show talking all about the USC Trojans. Today is February 3rd, 2010, National Signing Day for the big college football fans out there. This is Christmas, New Year's, Mardi Gras all wrapped up into one. It's a huge day, and it was a huge day for the USC Trojans. We are doing our podcast a little bit different this week. We are live in Hermosa Beach. We are at Gift Horse's house. Gift Horse is a big member of the Peristyle. I think he has over 1,000 posts now. A lot of USC fans out here. They were celebrating all day for signing day. Uh, we got 11 natties here with his big RV. They blocked out the entire street in an undisclosed location here in Hermosa Beach, my hometown. I might get thrown out after all this. I'm not sure what's going on, but everyone's been having a good time. You guys had a great time today? All right. Okay, so it's a little different podcast format. We're not going to do the commercials. We're not going to have Harvey Hyde or anybody else. We're just going to talk to the people here celebrating National, of Inten- National Letter of Intent Day for USCfootball.com, the Peristyle. These guys all came out here. Everyone, the common denominator between everybody here is what? That was sex, beer. We got a lot of answers. Uh, everybody's on what they call the P or the peristyle. So that's good stuff. And yeah, it's good. So the host today, the, the man hosting us, he's known as Gift Horse on the peristyle. You've seen his thousands or thousands of posts. Uh, Josh, Josh, thanks for joining us. Speak right in that microphone. See how this works. Hey, how you doing, Ryan? Excellent, excellent. So what was what was the inspiration behind this uh, this whole letter of intent party here? Uh, well, everybody wanted to get together. We needed a place to get together and uh, met some great people on the P over a year ago and uh, with my 1,000-plus posts. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so we, we had all the, uh, we had all the uh, stuff, all the natties with the RV and uh, all the uh, ability to put it together. We just didn't have a place to do it. And, uh, yeah, I picked up on a couple of the threads. We needed a place to do it. I offered up my house, and uh, yeah, this is year number two, and it's getting bigger. And uh, a lot more people are taking off work today. And... Uh, uh, we've got yeah, we've got special guests here, which are fun. There's a naked lady mannequin next to me right now, <laughs> and there you can do shots out of certain parts of this. Uh, this is great. This is going to be a good. Po- I probably should have had a few drinks before this podcast started, but that's okay. I probably right, should have had a few less drinks yeah. before I got up and. Uh, that's right. Well, how has it been? Like, what is? I mean, you guys got to watch. There was a lot of drama. USC started off really strong this morning. UCLA made a push later on, and then USC gets a number. Boo! Yeah, people didn't like that. UCLA had a strong class. They made a push. It made it look bad for USC for a little while. And then Sotrell Henderson signs with the Trojans, so that must have been a big turn for everybody. Well, yeah, it put everybody into a great mood. It was uh, we, we did have a real big morning. People came out. We got a chance to talk and mingle and, and get to know each other. And then, uh, yeah, just gathering around watching Sotrell Henderson uh, announce, that was uh, it, just the crescendo. It was just excellent and put everybody in a great mood. Yeah, it and, seems like uh, everyone's in a good mood. When I, if I showed up maybe about... 2:20 before Santrell uh, announced for USC. I think it would have been a little more somber here, but it seems like a few more drinks started flowing after Henderson decided he was going to pick USC. Cigars. Whoa, they're pulling out all the stops. 
That's good stuff. Hey, but before I oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. What's I was up? just saying, before I go, I just wanted to say a special thank you to uh, Natties and the Twaddles uh, for making all this happen. Woo! Natty, so people are known by their, their screen name if you're just listening to the podcast and you're not a big poster on the Peristyle, but 11 Natties, 11 National Championships, that's Dan. He has his big uh, tailgates at USC. <laughs> Dan, you don't wanna, he doesn't want to know his name. People want to be known by their screen name. I love it when people come up to me, hey, I'm 75 Trojan, you know, whatever. And I'm like, what's your real name, man? I don't know, you know. But, but people are known by their screen name, so they get introduced to themselves like that way a lot. Gift Horse or Twaddle Pucky over there, the uh, secret backer of everything. I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait. Behind, uh, yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes, we call him the Don. He's the Don of everything. You know, it's funny to me, and I don't know, maybe I'm uh, wrong about this, but I would get an email from Twaddle or someone would call me or they, they'd say, Hey, uh, there's like a secret society of people that post on the Peristyle that kind of email each other and talk up to, you know. So it's like a board of directors for the website that I really didn't know exist until recently. So I think Twaddle's a big part of that. I think a, a lot of the members of that here. So fight on over there, guys. We've got some people drinking. So our first on-location Peristyle podcast. I don't know. Hopefully it's going to work out okay. The recording levels are looking all right. I'm going to have to probably edit this to, to put it up on the website. Maybe editing for content. The FCC doesn't worry about podcasts, but I don't know. We still have a lot of families listening to this. Um, we can open it up. What, oh, Josh, what do you got here? We got Gaucho who's performing surgery in the morning, so I want to make sure we get uh, we get him uh, a couple minutes on the mic here. I need to hear Gaucho's surgery story, so step up there. Speak right into the microphone, he's Gaucho. Not, he's not drinking today, so that's good. Okay. Yeah, I got a hip replacement at 5 in the morning tomorrow. So I can't drink, so please, no bad influences on me. No bad. Okay, so hip replacement at 5 in the morning tomorrow. Wow, okay. That's pretty serious. Um, all right, so it's an interesting day. Is there anyone that has any, like, questions or comments you want to talk about? We'd love to hear. We love hearing from people when they email in questions and stuff, but now we can get people actually talking to us right away. You can hear what they have to say, comments, questions, whatever. We'll take it all. It's like a call-in show with live people. So state your name into the microphone, and what's your question or comment? Uh, I'm Scott Isaacson. I'm known as PHQTHM. I can't, I cannot pronounce what that actually is. But for those that know, it is there. Okay. Um, no, I just think uh, it's it's amazing that the class went from what 11 or 12 yesterday up to number two. I gotta give some props to Lane Kiffin, Orgeron, and the whole entire USC staff that kept everything together and the guys keeping committed. And I think uh, when it started off, Christian Thomas, when we were all out here. That was a big jump. Uh, a couple things we kind of expected to happen didn't happen. Then when Henderson, it was kind of like the icing on the cake to get this thing done. So we still got a couple more to go. Hopefully the Twan Anderson uh, comes through next could week. Be. Yeah, could be a good one, you know. Yeah. And Pullard's coming in, so we're excited. We're having a good time. Uh, I was out here last year with just a few of us, uh, myself, Twaddle, uh, Gift Horse, and a few other guys and stuff like that. But it's good. And it's good to see you out here too, Ryan. Hey, no, I'm, I'm super happy to be here, and I, could, I couldn't agree with you more. It was uh, – for Lane Kiffin, I think, coming in, Pete Carroll had a really good class set, like a foundation for a really good class. It took him a little while. I mean, he didn't have much time. He only had a couple of weeks. He secured just about everybody. The only buddy they didn't get was uh, Matt Dar, the punter. So if you only lose one guy and it's a punter, that's, that's well, okay. Well, considering the way the USC offense has been, you know, not using a punter that <laughs> much in the years past, uh, it's not too big of a loss. I wish he would have come. Um, yeah. Enjoy up in Fresno State. Great baseball program. That's yes. about it. You know, um, but, no, I think it's, uh, it's, it's been a really good. I mean, when you have a turnover in coach and stuff like that, especially at this level and so close to signing day, and to kind of do what they've done, it kind of shows a lot. 
especially everything that's kind of huddling around the great cloud or whatever that's sure. you know, come around the program or whatever, uh, which I don't personally think anything too much is going to happen. Um, for him to do what he's done here shows a lot. And it's not that much of a drop-off because you got to figure he's the one that built some of the Pete Carroll classes with he and Orgeron recruiting before, and I don't think it's too much of a drop-off, and I think it's real good. And the excitement of the practice would be the same. So No, I agree with you. And uh, the, the thing for me, I wanted to see what kind of gravy he could put on this class because he was able to secure everybody that Pete Carroll had, like we said, except the punter. Great thing. That's, that's what you want to do. There was a lot of good guys Absolutely. in there. Kyle Prater, Dylan Baxter I saw on campus yesterday throwing the ball around. I mean, those guys are amazing, tremendous athletes. And to get those guys in the class, two five-star guys, is awesome. But you wanted to see what kind of upside Lane Kiffin could put together. And it, it pretty much everything came together at the last minute. There wasn't a bunch of guys that came a week ago. I mean, it was pretty much happening right now. Not the, the complete numbers. There was a couple of guys that got away, the Josh Shirley's of the world and stuff. But added some really nice depth to this class. They got it up, like you said, the number two class in the country, according to Rivals.com. So I think it was a good late push. And like you said, there still could be a couple more surprises left. Right, exactly. And the other thing I want to say is it's good to see actually the Pac-10 in the whole come up. You know, what uh, is going on in Washington is good. You know, and just everybody else in the Pac-10. Cal did a good job, you know. And even the Ruins did a good job, you know. The but, Ruins. Yeah, yeah, the Ruins. <laughs> but you got to admit, for the Pac-10 in general, I mean, I'm sick and tired. I know about all of you guys. I'm sick and tired of seeing the SEC junk going on and the Big 12 junk going on. And we got to get the Pac-10 back up. That's it in general, you know. So you're 100 percent correct. And I think the last time I checked, uh, top 15, four Pac-10 right. teams were in the top 15 of the Rivals.com team ranking list. And I know people, you know, don't like to see UCLA doing well or Cal or Oregon or whatever. But I think you need to do that to kind of establish an identity in this conference. And it's helping out. I think you're seeing more of the the top 100 guys being here out west, and more of the the teams that are out west able to secure you know, guys from the Rivals 100 and stuff like that. Right. I mean, as much as we'd like to see UCLA fail and stuff like that, I mean, it's good to see USC-UCLA game on ABC in a national game instead of in the evening or on Fox Sports West because that is a big rivalry game. And if UCLA is up at the top and USC is at the top and we beat them, it only helps our rankings at the end, as we know. You know, whether it's a one-loss, two-loss team, as we've seen in the past, those guys get a national championship game, which they shouldn't, um, stuff like that. But. I think overall, if you get the Pac-10 up and they're all ranked in the top 10, that just helps us in the long run. No, I so. agree with you. Yeah, Oregon's going to be probably the Pac-10 favorite next year. They got like 18 guys coming back, and they have a really good class coming in. But Lane Kiffin, it's a lot different than when he took over at Tennessee, where the cover wasn't bare, but it wasn't great. I mean, Pete Carroll left Correct. a lot of talent here for Lane Kiffin. He's adding a lot more in this class. They have the most five-star guys of anybody in the country, five five-star guys. They have the highest average star rating of anyone in the country 4.25 or something yeah Yeah. something so over four they're the only team that has an average ranking of over four stars so there's a lot of talent coming in maybe not the numbers that some people wanted to see but you got some really high-end talent a lot of talent returning Uh, i think you know the the sky's the limit here with lane kibben that the cupboard is not bare there's a there's a great chance to make a run at the pac-10 championship and of course the national championship as well and, and I, I think it's good that Oregon is up at the top, and they would probably be preseason number three behind Boise State and whoever. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> Got to give Boise State some props over there for a team that really doesn't go after that many five stars or four stars. And what they're doing over there, you know, what, they got, what, 21 of 22 starters coming back? Yeah, I mean, a lot of starters. It's back. a good thing to throw a monkey wrench in the BCS any time, and they're doing a very good job of it. You yeah. Know, so, so it's good. But um, I'm, I'm just excited about this class. I'm good to be out here with all the good guys and stuff like that. You know, we got Gabe SC here. And Twaddle and Natties, especially Twaddle, thanks again <laughs> for everything you've done, buddy. Love you. All right. All right. Thank you for that. Does anyone else uh, have a Fight comment? On, guys. Anyone thanks, else Ryan. comment? Oh, no problem.
comment, questions, anybody. I just wanted to talk a little bit about two guys that are already on campus, uh, Kyle Prater and Dylan Baxter. Um, so two different workouts we were at. He did. They both did a workout with uh, John Manugi and the walk-on quarterback last week, throwing the football around, and uh, they look really good. They, they had a big team seven-on-seven seven yesterday, and uh, you look at Kyle Prater. He looks like he should be a senior in college instead of a senior in high school. He's 6'5", legitimately. He's built. Uh, just he's, he's got great hands. He made a one-handed catch yesterday uh, on the practice field. They threw the ball to him a lot, Mitch Mustaine and John Manoogian. They all threw the ball to him. They really enjoyed just working with these guys, and, and Dylan Baxter caught a lot of balls out of the backfield. I think they just wanted to test them a little bit and see what they could do. Most of the skill position players are out there, but it seemed like half of the balls went to either Prater or Dylan Baxter. And uh, we talked to a couple of the players afterwards. They were just really impressed with what those young guys could do. And I think Matt Barkley tweeted this today about three great tight ends coming in, um, you know, three tight ends coming in this class. But overall, man, the, the number of weapons that he's going to have at his disposal is just ridiculous. To have three five-star receivers coming in, it's almost like the Detroit Lions in their NFL drafts. You know, they took a, a receiver. And Baxter, oh, Baxter could play receiver as well, for sure. Um, you know, he'll probably do a little bit of uh, wildcat quarterback and stuff like that. But they, he likes to play all over the field. He loves to get the ball. So we'll kind of see what he does. But those two guys to be in already is amazing. And uh, oh, we have a – hold on, we got – we got a question or comment here? Who's, what's up? All right, here we go. State your name. Please speak into the microphone. Say your name. Hi, uh, I'm known on the peristyle as Scott for USC. Hi, Scott. I came on here to prove once and for all I am not Scott Wolf. You're but, the... hey, Mc, but hang on. McGuire, Area 55, do you have a question? Can you go before me? No. Okay. <laughs> anyway. What's up, Scott? <laughs> um, one thing that we were talking about before the, when this class was um, – first coming to form today was if you thinking back to this year we just had class of 2006 really hurt us in a lot of ways I mean you think about you had 27 guys signed and you look at the list 15 of them are either not on the team anymore or really have underachieved during their tenure at USC so it was it, it was big because of a leadership perspective because those guys would have been redshirt juniors or seniors next year and you just didn't have the meat that you should have had in a redshirt junior or senior class so based on that we're really looking closely at this class that was coming in, and you have a lot of guys like, you know, one who really jumps out at me is like a Randall Telfair, who from day one when Pete Carroll left, he worked so hard to keep this class together. I mean, clearly, for a guy of his age to have those leadership qualities is pretty tremendous. So with guys like that and with Prater and Woods and all these guys and Baxter and, and all the guys who've stuck together, it's going to be pretty amazing two, three, four years from now to see who really steps up and, and takes over those leadership roles that have been missing the last year or two. No, it's a good point. And I think a lot of people talk about why isn't USC signing 25, 26 guys. Well, the only time they've done that in the last five or six years was like their probably worst class. And they, they filled some needs late that maybe they shouldn't have done. They got a lot of people. And like you said, 15 of those 25 guys or whatever weren't on the team anymore or weren't really contributing. So it's not really about the numbers. And if you look in the top 10 or top 15, no one has as few commits as USC does and they've pretty much consistently done that every year I think that could change next year and I think a full uh, recruiting class with Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron I think that changed a little bit they might get more of the 24 25 guy range but you know like you said 26 guys you know you know four or five years ago whatever that was yeah it didn't it didn't work out so well and you do need leaders in this class last year Matt Barkley was an early commit he became the leader in this class I think they, they split up the leadership of the, the of this class 
a little bit differently. The problem is you got a guy like a Kyle Prater who's not going to be a leader because he's out of state. A Dylan Baxter really could be, but then he's devastated when he finds out that Pete Carroll's not going to be around. So it was a really strange class, and they, it, was, it took a little longer than I think people expected for Lane Kiffin to keep it together because some of those leaders were wavering. They weren't really sure. And usually the class can kind of rally around those leaders and stuff. But that's a good point you bring up. And beyond that, I mean, you never know who from this class is going to really step up in a couple of years. I mean, there's guys out there who we really don't know a lot about. And once they get out there and really get engulfed in the U- and the spirit of USC and the family of USC, they could turn out to be just tremendous leaders we would never would have considered or thought of. No, that's true. We'll, we'll see. I mean, you can't tell about a recruiting class, the five-star, the four-star, and all that. Until a few years down the road, you know, everyone talks about the Troy Polamalu's or whatever, or the Mike Williams guys that were like three-star guys. No, sometimes they come on the scene and, and shine right away. I remember when Mike Williams came to campus; he I think he was wearing number 19 before he switched to number one, and we're all like, "Who the heck is that guy? That guy's huge!" And he, he started performing right away. But other guys take a little bit longer to develop. But we'll see. I mean, but the upside for this class, I think, is really good. I mean, you got a lot. Just having five five-star guys usually it's hard to completely miss on five five-star guys you know you got to some of those guys are going to be good but matt barkley probably has to be the happiest kid on earth right now i mean distribution wise i don't think it's exactly the way they'd like this class to come out i mean three tight ends is good but i don't know if you really need a three tight end. it would have been better to get a couple more linebackers a couple more offensive linemen but the guys that got in i think they're really happy about well it's really interesting too because you basically go from a salvage mode to a thriving mode in a matter of two to three weeks i mean that's tremendous and a true testament to the staff one question I have for you is, is it really seems like this year, more so than others, has been, it was a really tumultuous time. I mean, there was so much question marks about guys going here, guys going there, rumors about guys coming to visit, not visiting, committing elsewhere, etc. Have you thought of a year in the last, I don't know, since the Carroll era started, where it was this, this much questions going up and leading up to all the way to today? This really was the, the most crazy year I can remember covering the team. And not to be, uh, I mean, USC's done well. But, you know, yesterday was Groundhog's Day. Kind of like the last five seasons or so, besides this last one, was almost like Groundhog's Day. Like USC, Pete Carroll would lose to a team they shouldn't lose to. They'd go to the Rose Bowl, beat the crap out of some Big Ten team that was overrated, and then get a top-five recruiting class. It seemed like it was, it was good. I mean, you're winning 11 games. You're ranked in the top four or whatever. You win the Rose Bowl. You get a great recruiting class. But it was like the same story year after year after year and I think some of the USC fans I don't know if you guys can attest to this but it seems like people kind of got a little tired of it they wanted something different either do a little worse or win the national championship and so it's kind of what happened this year they did a little bit worse you get Pete Carroll leaving you get the coaching change I think it it just energized a lot of the fans out there and it has created a lot of drama especially with the coaching change so close to signing day then every all bets are off you're not sure which guys that were a long time commits are going to stay so it really added a whole lot of di- different dimensions to this recruiting class. It made it more exciting. Well, and also leading into next year, it's going to be so intriguing with all the, I mean, it's like 2001 all over again. I mean, you got a whole new staff, even though there are a lot of familiar faces. You know, it's several years since they were here to see how they've evolved, how they've changed. Some of them are in new positions, like Kiffin, for instance, now head coach. I mean, it's a big difference from where he was before he left the first time. So, plus you have a whole new regime of players. Let's see if they have that hunger again. Are they ready to go out there and show that they are USC? I mean, when from the transition from 2001 to 2002 was remarkable. You know, you remember the Utah, the game against Utah in the Vegas Bowl, 10-6, not, nothing game, but you didn't have the horses that you had. Suddenly, Pete Carroll says to these guys, you know, you don't have to lose anymore. Turn the corner, and all of a sudden, they're just steamrolling people, and nobody, people, you know, other teams just don't know what to hit them. So are these guys going to step up and be the team that was there from 2000 to 2004, where 
every team, you know, give them their best shot, and the next thing you know, they were just steamrolled with offense and defense and completely outplayed on every side of the ball. Or are you going to see a team from 2005 to now where they were a little bit lackadaisical and really just, you know, showed up for games that, you know, that they were expected to, or excuse me, they didn't show up to games that they were expected to, and then kind of, uh, kind of went through the motions and had that sense of entitlement, like, you know what, we're USC. We show up, we should win. Well, you know what, the landscape's changed. Pac-10's caught up in a lot of ways. No, I agree with you, and I think a lot of times when you look at a team, when they get a new coach, they, they get the, the most improvement. The old cliche is you go from year one to year two, there's the most improvement. But if you watch this team the last couple of years, they just didn't seem to act the way that the teams of the, you know, a few years ago were acting. And I think for Lane Kiffin, he might see a lot of improvement in year one just because he's familiar with the system and the way everything goes. And he's, I think he's going to be able to continue on the same kind of road that Pete Carroll was on. I think when they did the coaching search, you didn't want Pete Carroll again. You didn't want a Pete Carroll light. But it's almost kind of like what they got. But I think Lane is unique enough that he's going to be able to change the way things are done around here just enough to make it a little more exciting again. And we talked to a lot of the players to a man, everybody seems to be really excited about this hire. I know people talked about, well, maybe Lane Kiffin wasn't as popular with the players. Well, he is right now. I mean, the players are all fired up. I think they needed some kind of change. And, it, you know, nine years was a long time. Pete Carroll had a great run. You'll never see a run like that again. But I think even for the program, you might see a better staff on the field right now than you did with Pete Carroll. And I think you might see a better product on the field than you did the last year or two with Pete Carroll as well. Oh, wait, we have a new guest. State your name. Please speak right into the microphone. Let everybody know who you are and what you're doing. Uh, my, name, my name is Gabe, uh, SC Gabe on the website. Hey, Gabe, what's up? And uh, now that we've nailed down our recruiting class, I want to turn the attention to the coaching staff, and I want to kind of get some idea from you in terms of now we need an offensive coordinator or, or a quarterback coach, whatever it's going to be. Um, we need a wide receivers coach. So are there any kind of rumors or rumblings in terms of who that might be? Yeah, so uh, for the coaching staff, I talked to a lot of the different people at Tennessee. It doesn't look like any more coaches are going to come over from Tennessee. Uh, you know, they got some defensive guys and stuff like that. Uh, James Craig was the offense. He'd probably be the offensive line coach. They haven't officially named him yet, but I think he was a big help with Santrell Henderson. Um, offensive coordinator, there were some different guys they were looking at. We put up a, an OC hot board up on the website, like the top ten guys or so we were looking at. The number one guy on the board right now is David Shaw, and he's uh, been the offensive coordinator for Stanford for Jim Harbaugh. And uh, we talked to some different people. It looked like that was going to be a done deal about a week ago. So that was the, the rumor going around. We talked to some people that were close to Shaw. Shaw's uncle, Nate Shaw, was actually an All-American at USC in 1966, and he coached for like six or seven years in the 80s. And there's definitely some alumni people that have talked to Nate and some of the other people that are close to David Shaw. It seemed like it was supposed to be a done deal. Now, there's some hang-up there, and we're not exactly sure what it is. Uh, I'm sure Harbaugh and the athletic director at Stanford are probably trying to fight to keep David. The problem is, people have talked about Jim Harbaugh being a great coach and a good recruiter and stuff. He's a hard guy to work for. He's a rah-rah guy like Pete Carroll, He's not, but he's kind of hard to work for like a Nick Saban. He's kind of like a combination of the two. So he doesn't seem like he'd be a good NFL fit. He's, he's a good fit for college, but he's lost a lot of assistants up there. This year alone, I think he's lost four assistants, and there's another guy that might be retiring. So I think when... David Shaw comes to the athletic director and says, hey, I'm going to leave for USC. I think they've met some resistance up there. So we're not really sure what's going on. I think then it got so close to signing day, you weren't going to be able to close any kind of deals. He's the latest guy. The problem is with him, he's a wide receiver coach. Uh, most likely he would be up in the booth. And Lane Kiffin did this when he was at Tennessee. Lane Kiffin's the head coach. He's going to be on the field, probably be calling the plays, but will be consulted by his offensive coordinator in the booth. If David Shaw came, he would be that guy. He would be the offensive coordinator in the booth. 
and either helping to call plays or, or working with the offense uh, during the week of practice, preparing the offensive game plan. The issue was, and we mostly talked about this, it seemed like Lane Kiffin, because he's coached wide receivers, he'd want to get an offensive coordinator that maybe didn't want to call the plays but would be a quarterback type of guru. Now, David Shaw's co- coached quarterbacks before, but he's not really known as like a quarterback guru kind of guy. So if he does get David Shaw, they're probably going to have to bring in a quarterback coach, something like that. That's the latest stuff we've heard. Who knows? I mean, if, if, if Shaw falls through and they're not able to secure that, they're going to probably have to start over again. But they, the problem was you wanted to be able to get some of these offensive guys without an offensive coordinator in place. They were able to do that, so it didn't really hurt them in recruiting at all. But now you're going to have to focus on getting an offensive coordinator in there. Do you, do you see any, um, now, now they're looking for this offensive staff, do you see any um, merit in them, tra- for example, trying to get NFL ties kind of guys? I mean, so many of these college coaches they have right now are all college-related coaches now. Like Orgeron tried the NFL, didn't quite fit, came back down the, to the college level. So from an NFL perspective, don't you think there needs to be some coaching staff experience that has maybe NFL ties to keep the credibility going in terms of uh, you know being that kind of farm system for the NFL for development? Yeah, I think they're open. I think they're open to get a college guy. They definitely want a pro-style offense. So the NFL, there's a lot of uh, candidates that are in the NFL, um, and there's college, college, uh, candidates that are in college as well. I think they'll go either way. The one thing is we've talked about, oh, maybe like the guy from TCU. Well, if you're running like a, a spread offense or something like that, that's not really what Lane Kiffin is looking for. Even like a Gus Malzahn, I really thought he would be a great candidate uh, they, when he went to Auburn uh, last year or the year before, something like that. Just not the kind of style of offense. If it's a shotgun only, throw the ball over the field, not a balanced pro-style attack, it doesn't seem like they're going to be interested in that. Pete Carroll definitely wasn't, and Lane Kiffin wasn't as well. And I know some people have kind of questioned what Lane Kiffin did, but when when he went to Tennessee last year, you can't really talk about you know uh, Oakland. No one, no one succeeded in Oakland. He won twice as many games as the previous coach in Oakland. I think he did okay. But when he went to Tennessee, I, my fiance is from Tennessee, so I've been to some games there at Neyland Stadium. Great place, you know, 110,000 fans or whatever it is. I went two years ago. They played Florida and got blown out. Jonathan Crompton was their quarterback. He couldn't do anything. I mean, he was terrible. They all were complaining about the way the quarterback was playing. But to me, I was like, I don't think he's playing that bad. They only let him, Fulmer let him throw the ball on like third and 15 all the time. He just never really had a whole lot of success. The game plan didn't seem to be suited to what his strengths were. Lane Kiffin comes in, and he throws all these touchdown passes. He's got 300-yard games. Crompton really changed from one year to the next. I think that was Lane Kiffin's coaching. People, he's probably underrated as, an, as, a, as a college offensive coordinator, you know, as being a head coach. I think the USC offense is going to do a lot better this year than it did the previous years under Lane Kiffin. And that's kind of my final question in, in terms of, uh, you know, for whatever, whether people love the hire, whether they, they are skeptical about the hire, do you kind of see in Lane now something that I expect is that he's, he's got a little bit of Urban Meyer-ish in terms of that aggressive, run-the-score-up type of mentality. Are we going to finally see an, a, an open offense again like we used to with the ball going 25 down, yards downfield instead of sideways, sideways yeah. you know, type of thing? I think it's going to be a lot less conservative. I mean, Pete Carroll, more of Pete Carroll slipped into that, like seeped into the offense over the last few years. I mean, if you remember a few years back, I think it was 63 games in a row they scored 20 points or more. Then this last year was like half the games, you know, 62 games in a row. I mean, it was really bad the number of times they scored under 20 points. That should never have happened with the amount of athletes that USC had. I don't care if freshman quarterback or what. I mean, there was just too much NFL kind of mentality, too much protect the ball. I mean, this is college. Like, you can line up your athletes against other athletes, out-scheme them, out-athlete them, and score points. You should be able to get guys wide open. Like, the play should not have to work exactly right for it to gain five. If you remember, like, 
I know you're not supposed to mention his name, but Paul Hackett. Do you guys remember Paul Hackett when he was here? Like, he, it, like everyone had to block the exact right way. The play had to be thrown perfectly. The receiver had to be in the right spot, and it would get four yards and go out of bounds. You're like, really? That's what you were like scheming for? I think it's going to be a lot more wide open uh, with Lane Kiffin. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. It would have been great to see Norm Chow come along as well. And even though he's not done as well as UCLA, but I think Lane Kiffin's going to be a good you know, pseudo-offensive coordinator for the head coach. They'll get a good guy to come in there. And I think you're going to see an offense that kind of explodes a little bit more, scoring 20, 30 points as opposed to 17 or whatever in half the games they're playing. It's nice to get back to the days where we scored 30-plus something and hold the other team to 17 and under, and that was the old formula, and there's automatic victory, basically. So, you know, I'm with you. I'd like to see with all these offensive weapons, I don't want to see. I'd like to go back to the days where we had two 1,000-yard receivers and a 1,000-yard rusher and, uh, you know, utilize the arm that Barkley's got when he's healthy, because I think he's going to be healthy next year, and then, you know, create some of those 30-something to 17 games that we are all used to. That's what I think we all want to see, right? A wide-open offense, scoring a lot of points. Is that what you guys want to see? Wide-open offense. Scoring a lot of points? Or you want to see a lot of punting? Get Matt Dar back so we can punt more? Is that what you guys want? No. No, like, that and, game. And the last question I have from Gift Horses, who is the recruiting guru? Who is the recruiting guru? So if you don't know, there's a guy on the website. I'm gonna, this is going to be a big scoop right here, so everyone will know. I know. I actually have no idea who the recruiting guru is. We we were talking about that. I do not. No, there's a guy uh, on the message boards. Thanks, Gabe. Um, he does a lot of chats. He's been a big part of the Peristyle for years and years, and uh, he's got a big following on there. His name's Recruiting Guru. Uh, I don't know who he is. He could be a booster. Some people think he's a coach or a strength coach or works in the SID. I really don't know, but he comes on the site, and he gives us kabooms and talks about the different uh, – his big thing is kaboom. He loves to say kaboom, and there's some recruit that's going to be coming in there. So it's a lot of fun. Does anyone else have any uh, comments or questions? Don't be shy. Step up, please. You don't have to do that. All right. Um, so the recruiting class, we can go through some of the guys. Oh, we have a brave man coming up here. So we already talked about Kyle Prater, Dylan Baxter. Robert Woods is a guy I got to see quite a bit. He's another one of those five-star receiver guys that came. Oh, we have someone coming up. Um if you got to see Sarah High School play, it's right around here. So if anyone here is local, Sarah High School uh, over – I mean, it's just a fun offense to watch. And, and Woods will play both sides of the ball, but mostly plays receiver. I think USC fans are going to be really happy with him. Seeing battles between him and Marquis Samble and, uh, and Prater are going to just be amazing. I mean, they're, they're all different types of receivers, but you just got to love the way they run routes, they catch balls, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. To, to everyone see. But again, like I said, Matt Barkley is going to be extremely happy with these guys. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, there's just one ball, and before USC would have like nine or ten tailbacks, and five of them were five-star guys. Now they're going to have nine or ten receivers, and five of them, you know, four or five are going to be five-star guys. So there's going to be a lot of different guys. All right. We have a, do we have a question or comment? State your name. Please speak closely into the microphone. Gotcha. Name is Patrick. Uh, handle on the parasol is Djibouti Trojan. Djibouti? What, what is Djibouti from? Djibouti is East Africa. Oh, okay. In uh, East, East African country. Uh, I spent a year there when I uh, joined the Parasol. Very nice. First time. All but, right, Patrick, um, what's up? Uh, I just wanted to comment on and you give my respects again to uh, Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron's job recruiting this class. I mean, just to maintain and recruit skill position athletes, you know, like the Kyle Pratters, Dylan Baxters, Robert Woods, without even an offensive coordinator or wide receiver coach on the staff. And to still recruit the level of skill position offensive athletes that we did uh, is, just speaks volumes to their talent as recruiters. And you know, like you've touched on and mentioned several times over the last few minutes, you know, the happiest guy right now has to be Matt Barkley. Um, you know, I, I went to I was a freshman at Modern Day High School when 
uh, Matt Leinert and uh, Matt Grudegood were upperclassmen. And, you know, I watched Barkley play over the last few years at Modern Day, you know, here and there. And he did phenomenal things with minimal talent around him at, uh, at the high school level, at wide receiver. You know, had to force a lot of throws. And, I, you know, obviously I think most USC fans feel he was held back a lot as a freshman QB and his, you know, ability to throw the ball vertically and, uh, you know, really stretch the field. And I think, you know, being a sophomore, having uh, the level of competition that's going to be at SC in this offseason and, you know, spring and fall camp, at, you know, especially at the wide receiver position, you're going to see a, you know, strong push uh, at our, amongst our wide receiver core, especially at tight ends, you know, now giving, you know, Blake Ailes more competition with uh, Grimble coming in and, you know, all these other players. So I, I, you know, I think SC fans have a lot to look forward to, you know, especially from skill position players. And, you know, Barkley should, you know, have a breakout year, you know, and I think, uh, you know, I'm pretty fired up, uh, you know. Fired up. Fired up. You know, <laughs> lo- lo- love, love Pete Carroll, love what he's doing, but it's always, it's always, you know, inspires people when you got something fresh on the scene, you know, gives you a new spark, you know, change the scene, and you know, it's really going to light a fire under a bunch of guys. You know, I know Pete Carroll – kept a high level of competition his entire time at SE, but really bringing new guys, new expectations, and uh, new schemes is really going to uh, you know, inspire, I think, a lot of players and you know, gives a lot to look forward to the next season. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, no, I think the players are inspired. You're exactly right. And if and for you guys that don't know, Matt Barkley, I talked to Steve Clarkson. We did, um, I did a radio show with him on 710, and he's the quarterback guru that coached uh, Matt Barkley in high school, and I asked him, like, you know, Matt Barkley was throwing all these spirals all over the place in high school. What happened in the second half of the year? Why isn't he throwing these spirals and stuff? And he kind of hinted at the fact that, you know, there was an injury there that Matt Barkley didn't talk about. And to Matt Barkley's credit, he had hurt his wrist. It was bothering him all year. He's not blaming it at all, but it really was something that was on his mind and bothering him. So Matt Barkley had surgery the other day. We were at the uh, USC workout yesterday. He was throwing the football left-handed. I think he throws it better left-handed than I throw it right-handed. But he's he still his hands. He, his hand last week was in a sling. This time it was just in a little wrist guard and stuff. So he said he's going to be okay. He's going to be able to play for spring ball. He might even be able to get in some of the winter workouts, depending when spring ball starts. Usually starts sometime in mid-March or so. So we'll see. But I think they're going to bring him back slowly. But you're right. I mean, he wasn't throwing spirals the way he was in high school at the end of the last season, and you could tell something was bothered. Something was different than what you just couldn't. You didn't forget how to throw a spiral and stuff. But he came back there. I think now that his wrist is going to be cleaned up, they cleaned up some of the scar tissue and stuff. He said he's going to be 100. percent He's going to be ready to go. So it'll be interesting to see. He's going to love spring football. Not with you know the receivers he already's got, Ronald Johnson and stuff like that. But Kyle Prater and Dylan Baxter, some of those guys come in. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right. Anyone else? Do we have anyone else that wants to come up and come? Sterling, yes. All right. So what do you guys think of the uh, Peristyle podcast on location, outside? Our first one outside. I don't know. We came in here. It is like game day. I set up the podcast stuff on uh, Dan's little, uh, I don't know what the, something on the side of his RV. It falls over. Beer spills on my mixing boards. I'm like, this is going to be a great start. But it's going now. We're all good. We got Sterling. What's going on, man? How are you? Fine, how are you doing, Ryan? Excellent. Great, great. Just want to see how pleased I am here today, and uh, so pleased everyone put on a great affair. Uh, I never would have thought that Mike Garrett could have pulled uh, Lane Kiffin out of Tennessee. I think that was a great hire. Uh, I remember meeting uh, Lane when he first came to SC, and I was impressed by him then. Uh, Talked with him several times, and I think he's going to be an outstanding head coach, outstanding recruiter, and... uh, one person in particular, Coach O, 
He was my neighbor when he first moved to uh, Aliso Viejo in Orange County. Kojo? Kojo was your neighbor? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's outstanding. So he, I, could, I could picture Kojo coming out in his flip-flop. Hey, Sterling, how are you doing? Yeah, well, mostly I talked with his wife, Kelly, because Kelly was always worried that he was going to get fired from SC. <laughs> I used to tell Kelly, don't worry, he's the best coach we have. He's not going to fire him. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, O is a relentless recruiter. Uh, 24-7, he is recruiting and bringing in the best people we can have for AOSC. Uh, fine young men who are going to play great football for us. I'm looking forward to this coming year when he'll be able to recruit the whole class by himself, he and his staff. I think we're going to very, be, be very pleased over the long term. Yeah, he's really excited right now. Uh, Antoine Woods, the uh, defensive tackle from uh, Taft High School, we actually sent some people up there. They got a commitment from them. So I'm sure Coach Joe, they didn't get him any defensive linemen in this class. So he's got to be happy that at least he's got a guy from 2011 already committed. And you're right. Coach Joe is a guy. He loves the South. I mean, he's from Louisiana. Uh, you know, he would have loved to coach at LSU. I think he enjoyed his time at Old Miss being the head coach. Tennessee really wasn't his thing. His family never, like, moved in or they didn't buy a house there. It was pretty clear that he wanted to come back, either go back to Louisiana or come to California, come back to L.A. His wife and his family loved it in California. So I think there was a really good chance, even if Pete Carroll didn't leave, Ed Orgeron was going to come back. Then when that, you know, when Pete Carroll left and it became a Lane Kiffin thing, it made it, made it really obvious, like, yeah, break Coach Orgeron, Orgeron back. He's so fun to, re- to cover in the media. He's a great recruiter. He's just a fun guy to talk to. If you ever get a chance to meet him, just listen to his accent. It's a lot of fun. It's great you got to live next to him. He is so much fun to talk to. He is that. I remember uh, last year, uh, my wife and I were walking on Main Beach at Laguna Beach, and uh, this fellow was walking towards us, and Gina said, that, that looks like Coach Ed. I said, that can't be Ed. He's in Louisiana. And sure, sure enough, it was Ed, Ed Orgeron. Yeah, he, was, he said, so glad to be here. Kelly loves it here. We're going to be looking for a house, I hope, someday soon. And sure enough, here he is back again. So uh, it's just very pleasing that we're going to have a great, a great coaching staff and recruiting staff. And I was at the Rising Stars camp when uh, Antoine Woods, who you just mentioned, uh, was down there playing. And he's going to be a big-time starter for us before very long. No, I agree on Woods. And we, if you can hear, uh, we got Dan chopping up. What is that? What are you cooking there, man? Is this... A- Carney Asada. So we got Carney Asada. There's grills going. I, I can't picture this. Too bad we don't have a video podcast. This enormous RV is kind of blocking off the whole little street here and a little side street in here in Hermosa Beach. There's TVs. There's grills. We got Mexicans cooking. That's Dan. Uh, we got people drinking. We got lots of cigars, tents. This is all. And there's a. Uh, uh, like half-naked mannequin wearing coconut bra that apparently shots come out of certain parts of their body. So, pretty fun. There's not yeah. just Mexicans cooking, there's Mexicans eating. Sterling Wallace cooking. is really a Mexican guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. All right, thanks, Sterling. Is anyone okay, else? Thank got, you. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else got something to say? All right. I think, state your name, Tim. This is uh, MB2 Trojan. Hi, Ryan. Good to see you again. What's up, MB2? We uh, had some drinks with you last night and some dinner with uh, Twaddle and some of the other guys. Good to see you again. Thanks, Ryan. I thought I would share a little story that uh, I shared with Ryan and and some folks at dinner last night. For those of you listening who are concerned about the current players and how they're going to respond to Lane and and his, his team and his staff, I was recently out to dinner after Lane had been named head coach. 
with my sister and her husband, and her husband happens to be an Oregon duck. And we were having the a ducks. Cup. Yeah, the ducks. No booze for the ducks. Yeah. We got a lot of booze for UCLA's. No booze for the ducks. I think everyone's eating right now. That's probably why. All right. And so I was having a uh, civil disagreement with my brother-in-law about Lane, and I was making the case about how Lane could be a very successful coach and how it was going to work and how it could be great. And my brother-in-law said exactly, nah, Lane's not all of that. Much to our surprise from the booth behind us, we got a tap on our shoulder by a current USC player that I'm not going to name who currently said to my brother-in-law, look, you're wrong. I'm a player on the team right now, and we are absolutely thrilled to have Lane Kiffin and his staff here. This is a great hire. We are so stoked to have Lane. So I just wanted to share that story for people listening to the podcast um, directly from a, from a current player, unsolicited. Remind me, he interrupted our conversation <laughs> to make it clear to my brother-in-law and our entire family how excited the current players are to have Lane back in the program and his staff and um, it was a very encouraging comment uh, for me and gave me a lot of confidence in the enthusiasm uh, that we're going to reignite in this program which I think was needed. How, how shocked were you to have like a USC player that you recognize come up and while you're having dinner just come talk to you? I, I was completely shocked because I didn't see him when we went into the restaurant so I didn't recognize him until he tapped me on the shoulder and introduced himself and it was... Uh, it was pretty classic, and my brother-in-law, he shut his mouth real quick. <laughs> you had the authority right there. He's saying, oh, USC players aren't real happy about it, and the USC player comes up and says, oh, yes, yes, we are. How, how are you enjoying this stuff today? Like, how's this been? This has got to be cool for you. This has been great. So uh, I was out to dinner with Ryan and Twaddle and Gift Horse and Lore last night, and I was uh, in the chat room at 5 this morning. Woo. And now I'm here at the Gift Horse's house, and I'm heading to Galen tonight for the big celebration. Uh, to see all the videos and hear from the coaches. So, you know, National Letter of Intent Day is kind of one of the five greatest days of the year, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. And thanks to Gift Horse and Twaddle and Natties and Ryan for making this all happen. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, thank you guys. Thanks, everyone out there. It's been awesome. And, Dan, you're a great host. 11 Natties, Twaddle, the Don, Trojan Lore over there. we got so many guys. Thank you guys all for coming out. I think we're going to cut the podcast a little shorter than we normally do. It's been it's a little interesting doing it here on a little table out in the there's like neighbors like packing or moving or something next door i don't know if the cops are going to come anytime soon we got i don't know but it's been a lot of fun here we need to do a what all right yeah we're there's some dirty requests coming in from the don but i really appreciate all you guys coming out here i hope it was a lot of fun i, I apologize i wasn't able to get here earlier in the day uh, a lot of work to do signing days probably are it's a it's a fun day but it's probably our busiest day on the website with so much stuff going on. But thank you guys for coming out. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. All right. Woo! People are eating right now. So everyone out there in podcast land, thank you very much for listening. Fight on. We will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.